This week's episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Green Chef. You can start the new year right by eating healthy and saving money. Green Chef is an organic meal kit delivery service that brings fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your doorstep. Go to greenchef.com fool to get $50 off today. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. We're also going to be joined later today by a few special guests. Very exciting. Very exciting. On this week's episode, we're going to tackle how you can be healthier in 2017 and really honestly keep those New Year's resolutions. We're also going to answer your question about whether you could retire on the maxed out 401k and Roth IRA contributions alone. And we'll review some apps that promise to get you into ship shape. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers Answers, and this week's question comes from Greg. Greg writes, what is the basis for the 18,401 k and 5,500 Roth IRA contribution yearly limits? Is saving 23,500 each year in the market enough for most people to retire in their 60s? Good questions, Greg. There are really two questions. One is a little bit about the history of these accounts, and second of all, are, can you retire by maxing those out? So let's start with a little bit of the history. The IRA, IRA actually stands for Individual Retirement Arrangement, not oh, account. What? Although it has what? evolved to a stand also for account. But yeah, you look at publication 590, the IRS code, which I'm sure you all have. It's Individual Retirement Arrangement. <laughs> Anyways, came out in 1974. It was actually just geared towards people who did not have retirement accounts at work. You could contribute $1,500, but if you had a plan at work, you couldn't. Over the years, that changed. They moved it up to 2000 and it wasn't until um, 2002, I believe, that you could start contributing more than 2000 and now it's based on a formula with inflation. So once we reach to a certain level, it'll go up from 5500 to $6,000. The 401k was actually, its history is a little quirky. It was not a law that was passed to help everyone save for retirement. It was actually this very quiet subsection, 401k, really geared towards highly paid executives and deferred income, it wasn't until a year after it came out that a benefits consultant named Ted Benna was sitting around his office on a Saturday trying to come up with a retirement plan for a bank and figured out that actually this would be a good way for people to contribute to account on a tax-advantaged basis. The government eventually figured out that, holy cow, this is a great tax benefit for people the original limit was, and this is back in the 1970s, $45,000. Whoa. The government realized that this is a big tax break, and so they curtailed it. And that explains why there are now limits, because the government is making a trade-off whenever they have these accounts. If you contribute to your tax-deferred 401k, the government is basically giving up tax revenue today, and it grows tax-deferred. So the government has said, basically, we'll give you a little bit of a tax break, but not too big of a tax break. So that explains the limits. Now, the question is, can you retire on these alone? And the answer is yes, if you save early enough. I've cited studies before in previous episodes that basically said, if you start saving in your 20s, if you save between 10 to 15% of your income, you'll be okay. And for most people, that will not get them to maxing out both of those accounts. The problem is, people will often wait until their 30s or 40s. And then you're looking at having to save, really, 20 to 25% of your income if you want to retire in your 60s. Then you start pushing up against those maximums. But of course, people often sort of anchor on these maximums as if that's how much you should save. You can always save outside of your IRA and 401k. Please do. Please do. So don't focus on that too much. Um, interestingly, the Wall Street Journal had an article recently basically saying, going back to the people who 
promoted 401ks in the beginning, and they kind of regret it. Even this Ted Benner guy, who's still proud of being what is now he's often referred to as the father of the 401k, he also acknowledges he created a monster because they were not designed to replace traditional pensions. And they were these simple accounts that you had two investment choices. Now he says there's too many choices, people make too many mistakes, and Wall Street figured out it was a way for them to make a lot of money. Hmm. So while he doesn't regret it, he sees a lot of flaws in the program. And the in that article also interviewed someone who at the time was an H and R official with J and J, loved 401ks when they came out, promoted them. It turns out over his career he ended up not even saving enough. So he's in his sixties as a lawyer, and he would not be able to retire if he just had the money in his 401k. He's he said to maintain my lifestyle, I'm gonna have to work till my mid seventies. So the answer is Yes, you can do it. Start saving early. If you're starting late, max them out, and then look for other accounts. This week's episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Green Chef. They deliver everything you need to cook amazing dinners right to your door. Organic, non-GMO ingredients, pre-chopped and pre-measured so you can get dinner on the table in just 30 minutes. Every meal comes with foolproof step-by-step recipe instructions and photos. I can personally attest that the meals are delicious and way better than uh, what I have to do, which is normally I have to think of something and then we do a frozen pizza. It's true, we eat too much frozen pizza. All right. So, anyway, it's key for me at the end of the day when my brain is broken. Go to greenchef.com slash fool to get $50 off today. All right, Pro has some really good news for him to share. <laughs> Bad news for Sam and I. I know. Womp womp. Oh, I should say Sam's here. Sam Whiteside is oh, in the studio today. <laughs> she's the chief wellness fool here at the Motley Fool, and she's joining us, of course, to talk about how you can be healthier in 2017. Bro is off to a fantastic start. Remind us again of that bet that you made out of nowhere. A few out of weeks nowhere. Ago. Well, it was the last time Sam was on the show. We were talking about maintain, don't gain over the holidays, and I don't know why. Spur of the moment, I thought I bet I could lose 10 pounds. Over the holidays, and what happened? And so I just I said I'm gonna pay you guys 200 bucks if I don't lose 200 pounds. So after we did that episode, I ran downstairs, weighed myself. The holidays happened. Uh, January 2nd came in, weighed myself. I'd lost exactly 10, 10 pounds. pounds. Hey! On dun, the nose. Dun, dun, dun. So happy for you, bummed for me because exactly. that was 200 bucks we were gonna get. So, uh, well, we've said it before, but it often bears repeating that healthy is wealthy. And, bro, remind us why that is. So, very quickly, obviously, the healthier you are, the less money you spend on things like doctors and hospitals and manufactured body parts and things like that. What? <laughs> the studies have shown that the more health issues you have, the more money you're going to spend on it. You also are less productive at work if you have health problems, and you'll just be happier. And I've mentioned before a study by Merrill Lynch and Age Wage that found, that asked retirees, what are the key determinants of happiness in retirement? Number one, being healthy. So, there we go. So today we're going to talk about how to really, truly, honestly keep those healthy living New Year's resolutions that we know you made. We know you made them because everyone does, at least for five seconds. So that's why we're going to go through some of the science behind how to make healthy living really, really stick. And Sam's here to join us. So, of course, do I get to divulge my New Year's resolutions? Sure. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So they're kind of funny. Well, one of them's funny. Um, One was to get back into my yoga practice. So get really serious about taking my personal yoga journey seriously. Um, The other one was 
coming to terms with my addiction to spicy pimento cheese. Oh. <laughs> Does that mean you're giving it up oh, or no. you're just accepting? No, accepting. It. Accepting. accepting. Okay. And moving forward in my life. Pimento cheese yeah. is just an amazing thing. It's, oh my it's a category really? by itself. Have you have never had pimento cheese? Not that I recall. A grilled no. pimento cheese sandwich? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get into some of the science behind how to really keep your New Year's resolution, starting with, of course, motivation and finding your intrinsic motivator, not your extrinsic motivator. So what is the difference between an extrinsic and an intrinsic motivator? Um, for me, um, when I work with clients, either in um, in the office here at Full HQ or outside of Full HQ or outside of the Full in general, um, my first automatic question to anyone who is coming to me for personal training, wellness coaching, whatever it is, what is your current motivation for making this lifestyle change? I would say nine times out of 10, it's extrinsic. It is, I want to look better in a bathing suit because I'm going somewhere on spring break. Um, I want to, um, it may be, might be a specific fitness goal. I want to run a 5K. Um, all of these extrinsic motivations have an end point, right? So they'll have a completion date, most likely. Um, if you stick with it. So what happens after you complete that extrinsic motivation? That's where people drop off. That's mm -hmm. where people lose motivation. Um, that's where you see everyone coming into the gym in January and February and March, making that New Year's resolution. Um, and then either they somehow become demotivated or they've already hit their short-term goal. And then, well, well, I don't need to go to the gym anymore. Yeah. I've already completed that. I so, might have I might oh, have changed ahead. my eating habits a little bit now that I hit that ten pounds and I don't owe you guys two hundred. Yeah. Bucks. <laughs> so I think I think Ro typically is motivated. Sorry if we can get personal here. Please, I think most of, I think most of the times that you start exercising and getting fit, it's because you're extrinsically motivated, which is, and you usually motivate yourself through like money stuff, right? Right. So you were like, okay, I don't want to lose this money, so I'm going to do this. And then once you do it and you get that reward or you you get right. that carrot or that stick, then you're done doing it. And, and so yep. there's a lot of science behind, and I looked in this, like Dan Ariely, um, the economist is like really done a lot of work on this as well. It's like intrinsic motivation is the joy that you receive from actually doing the thing itself. Right. So, um, Rick, I think you're really intrinsically motivated to exercise when you are doing spike ball and things like that because you're actually having fun doing the thing. Didn't realize that was exercise. It is exercise. Of course, it's, it's exercise. It's totally what are you exercise. About? And then I'm intrinsically motivated. Like the thing that made running finally stick for me two years ago was when. I actually got joy out of just having some time to myself for the love of God. <laughs> because I had, a t I had a baby at home and I literally am never more than 10 feet away from my husband at any point in the day because we live together and work together and everything. And so for me, running became, I became intrinsically motivated to run when I just enjoyed being out there and having time to myself and think and run. And so that's why to get personal, I think you're usually using, you, bro, are usually using extrinsic motivators to help you tackle those goals, which you do. You always tackle your health goals. It's but true. then it's like every year you come back and you do it all over again. <laughs> and, I, and I've told bro so many times, I'm like, I will always have an open door for you. Yeah. I will accept you. And I always go back to her like, okay, it's time for me arms. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. Open yeah. arms. There's nothing wrong with that. We just need to. And I think this time you really did find your intrinsic motivator. Right. Because a big thing for me is uh, it has been that um, men in my family are not healthy mm -hmm. and a lot of heart attacks, a lot of strokes. 
um, people dying before the average life expectancy, and I don't want to be that person. I want to live long enough to enjoy all the all the money that I am saving for my hopeful eventual retirement. Right, but is that an extrinsic motivator? I would say that's more intrinsic. I think the problem is that it's so long term. It's like retirement itself, right? Like I'm 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 still a relatively fit 47 year old. I'm not likely to die of a heart attack right now, but I think being healthy to live well into my 80s and beating my family odds is a longer term thing and it's so easy to say like okay it's okay if i have ice cream tonight because i don't have to worry about that yeah i'm still on i'm still not positive that's intrinsic really? though well because it's not like you're you're doing it because of the stick and the stick is you're going to die yeah. of a heart attack yeah you haven't found something that you really love to do fitness and exercise wise that's that is yeah. probably true because like rick i am i am more motivated to do things as a group like i did a lot of ultimate frisbee i played and you football, did football in as, school right yeah. exactly and it's it's tough as as a guy in his 40s and 50s to get your friends together to go out and play foot <laughs> play football yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean personally for me i and i get this question asked all of the time is that where where did you find your passion for fitness or wellness or how did you stumble into the wellness field um personally it came for me when I was around 15 years old and I was at a family reunion and I looked around and every single person on my mom's side of my family was diabetic, mm. obese, um, heart disease, cancer, most likely related to lifestyle um, choices. And I didn't want to end up like that. Mm-hmm. And so I made a very serious pact with myself that day that I was going to clean up my diet and I was going to start exercising. Um, and looking back, I don't know why. And how I had the capability as a as a fifteen year old to make that decision, um, but it stuck with me. And I I don't want to I don't want to die of type two diabetes and and obesity and heart mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of members in in my family. Or there it's such an affliction with them today that they that is something they consistently think about twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Um, I don't want to have to do that. And I don't want to necessarily say that extrinsic motivators are bad. Because um, like Dan Pink, he looked in, in his book Drive, he talks about extrinsic and intrinsic motivators. And he said, extrinsic motivators are really great. The, or the reward punishment kind of motivators are good when it's a very distinct, narrow, highly defined task. So an entrance, uh, you know, and, and so it works in those situations. Intrinsic, however, is where you're going to see that life change where you are, it becomes a habit and you keep on doing right. it because you enjoy doing it. Right. And finding, finding something that you enjoy is so important. Um, for you, it's, it's finding that peace and quiet time when you're running. Um, personally, for me, it's going to the gym and getting a really, really good workout, um, having my earbuds in and just kind of zoning out. Yeah. Um, not necessarily peace and quiet. I'll interact and, and talk with everyone else in the gym, um, but it's just having that feeling afterwards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is is huge. That euphoria. All right. Last piece of science I'm going to throw at you is that uh, University of Chicago found that while people while people were exercising, they placed greater value on the intrinsic motivators, such as having fun, relieving stress. Um, but when they were planning to exercise in the future, they placed a greater value on the extrinsic motivators, like improving health and becoming stronger. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting that before you do it the extrinsic motivators kind of get you there but keeping keeping you going at it your reward is intrinsic one thing i always say to myself when i'm supposed to be doing something like working out or going for a run and i don't feel like doing it i always remember how i feel after i've done it previously and i've never gone for a run and worked out and been like oh i wish i didn't do that i'm always (laughs) happy that i did it and I feel that way for a while yeah. afterwards. Yeah, maybe twenty that twenty four to forty eight hour window when we're sore afterwards is like, oh crap. 
Mm-hmm. You know what though? I've learned to accept that as a signal that I've worked right? out and that, exactly. that I did what I, if I if I work on it and I'm not a little bit sore afterwards, I feel like I didn't do it right. Yeah. Well, Dan Ariely says the first few minutes are not going to be pleasurable when you're talking about exercising, but once you get there, once you get going, things will be better. It's only pain, folks. It's All only right. pain. Let's move on. So, once you have found that intrinsic motivator, now we're going to focus on small and achievable goals. What are we talking about here, Sam? There is an old term um, in the fitness exercise phys world called SMART goals. So, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-oriented. Um, those are very important things when making goals, um, specifically short and long-term goals. Um, so, I always recommend making one of each um, and reassess- long and short. one short-term specifically and one long-term and reassessing them as you need to. Um, you might hit that short-term goal faster than you anticipate it, or it might take longer. So, for example, a, spe- a specific, smart, achievable, time-oriented goal would be, um, I would like to run one and a half miles a day, three days a week, um, and I would like to achieve that. I would like to do that for six weeks. Um, you might not be able to start out at a mile and a half three times a week, but eventually you should be able to build up to that. You might be able to hit that duration and that progression. You might be able to hit that at four weeks. That's great. Don't don't stop. Find a new short-term goal. Um, long-term goals are typically six months and longer, so six months and out in duration. Um, so again, making that a smart goal, making sure it's time-oriented, realistic, and achievable. Um, it might have something to do with weight loss. I usually encourage people to not associate specific goals with the number on the scale. Mm-hmm. I want people to have a, um, a, a specific um, goal in mind, but that number on the scale does not give yourself worth or give you something to achieve to, it is, is it a, it's a number. Mm-hmm. A number is a number is a number. It does not tell you how healthy you are. Um, something might uh, more realistic might be your cholesterol number, um, your, your total cholesterol or your um, resting heart rate. Um, something that's more realistic in, in um, something that's more realistic that will actually be related to your overall health. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I know like the, the intrinsic um, benefit of just being alone for an hour <laughs> um, is great for me. But I did have I did have a goal with the last 10k with the Carpenter Shelter 10k of doing less than a 10 minute mile for my pace. I am not a fast runner. Um, well, neither am I. So. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and I was the last fool to cross the finish line, by the way, for the 10k. But that was like my goal. And I need to, so I need to find like another another goal. Yeah. I think we can chat. We can chat offline. One thing that you <laughs> yeah. you do. <laughs> Great, Sam, and I've done full fitness with you in other classes, and that you always emphasize just do something. So mm-hmm. if you're leading an exercise and it's tough, especially for people who are not in great shape, you could feel bad about yourself that you're not keeping up with the group, but you always emphasize just exactly. do something. Focus on just yourself. Just do something. Yeah. Go at your own pace, and that really is encouraging. Eventually, you do get to the point where you can keep up with everyone else. Yeah, and that's great, but that should, like, I've, I've talked to so many people, and I've seen it's time and time again, people running on treadmills and they keep looking over at the person next to them. Don't worry about that person. That person probably is also worried about you, but don't worry about that. Focus on yourself and your workout um, and hitting your short and long-term goals and making sure you're intrinsically and extrinsically motivated. All right, final step, keep yourself accountable. Now you're buddy for keeping you accountable was actually Mona, who was on the show last week. Right. So Mona started this group called Couch to 5K, which is basically said, hey, fools, anyone who, who 
hasn't really run much in their life or recently, but would like to, let's have a goal of running a 5K race by February. She came up with some, probably with the help of other folks, basically a plan for how to get from someone who basically sits around to, to running. And it was really was emphasizing on just doing what you can. But then she and I, for a period of that, would check in with each other every other day. We said, okay, here's my goal. I need to exercise every other day. And we say, okay, this is what I did. We'd post pictures of us running or uh, she has an app that tracks where she ran. She would send me screenshots of it. Mine were a little goofier and sillier, but regardless, oh. <laughs> there was proof that I was doing something. Do we and, need to talk to HR about the pictures <laughs> you sent to her? There was nothing on the line in this case. Like I wouldn't have owed her money, but there's still something about knowing that you have to check in with your colleague and be honest about whether you did something or not. That is an extra dose of motivation. Yeah, yeah, it, and it definitely helps if there's um, one person in that accountability pact that might be a little bit more motivated than the other person. So if, by the way, Mona is super fit. Mona's Mona's <laughs> awesome. And, and, and sidebar, I didn't know that you and Mona were accountability partner buddies, besties. I had yes. no idea. Yep, that's yeah. awesome. That's. That's, that's and it was awesome. over the holidays, so she had gone home to Georgia, and she was, you know, sending me pictures of her running around the. It's it's a lot easier to run in Georgia in the winter than yeah. it is in Northern <laughs> Virginia. That so. is true. Um, but for 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 both of you guys, I, I can easily see how Mona, um, not intentionally but just unintentionally, brought your motivation up yep. because her motivation, her personal internal motiv- motivation, is so high. Yeah. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Account of besties. Account of besties. We'll, we'll go with that one. Account <laughs> of besties. Uh, bro, you you also had some other examples of keeping yourself accountable that you want to talk about, like posting pictures to like social media. Right, and so right. This this comes from a book I've cited in the past. is called Willpower by Roy Baumeister, Baumeister, a psychologist, and John Tierney, who's a science writer for the New York Times. And in that book, they highlighted the public humiliation diet of Drew Magri, who basically would tweet out his weight every oh, day. Oh, was it Drew Magri who did that? Yes. Oh, I love him. He's so funny. Yeah, he's pretty He's pretty funny. <laughs> he's dirty, though. But I was going to say, don't, I wouldn't necessarily send people to his articles, because <laughs> he has a foul mouth. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, so he tweeted weight, and there's all kinds of, there's a, there's a site called Diet Bet, where you also you put your money on the line. Uh, I know of a person who used to work here who did something like this, and and he essentially posted his weight every week on Facebook. You basically publicly say, "I'm going to lose weight, and I'm going to. You're all going to help keep me accountable." Cool. All right. And now, when should to close here? When should you call in a professional to help you? That's a great question. Um, I personally recommend most likely calling in a professional probably from the get go. Um, it's really easy to try something and say, oh, well, I tried it, so it just didn't work for me. Um, If you start out strong with full resources around you, and that includes um, whether it's a registered dietitian, whether you need help cleaning up your diet, or figuring out like what is what are the best foods for you, um, what are the you know the proper preparation techniques that really go into making it easiest for you to make the solid decisions um, or whether that's searching out what's what's called a CPT a certified personal trainer um, that that's one of my certifications um, making sure that you have the most well resourced well educated professionals in your corner you're you're gonna you're gonna win um, and so I think going going from the start if you want to be serious about this and you really need to get all of your ducks in a row uh, make sure you have everyone in your corner 
And we have you here we at the Molly do. Pool. We're so lucky. We are. All right, Sam, thank you for joining us. Would you mind sticking around to talk about some health apps? Absolutely. All right. It's time for There's an App for That. Yay! Yay! And today's guinea pig is Paul Essen. He works in business intelligence here at The Motley Fool, so he's a numbers guy, data cruncher. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, actually, Sam and Bro also have an app they're going to talk about, too. So yes. there's so many out there. All right, let's start with Paul, though. You looked at the app Pact. P-A-C-T. What is yes. Pact promised to do? It promises to pay you for leading a healthier lifestyle, um, sticking with your commitments to eat healthier, go to the gym, stuff like that. How does it pay you? Where does it find the money to pay you? Well, it uses two different methods. It uses the carrot and the stick method to incentivize you. Um, and they use the stick portion to pay for the carrot portion. So oh. um, the people who don't live up to their end of the bargain, they, have, they end up paying um, a penalty for not living up to their end of the bargain, and that money goes to pay the people who do live up to their end of the bargain. So if you're doing it, you hope that other people out there are not doing it so you can get their money. You're rooting for failure on people's <laughs> parts, yes. <laughs> All right, how'd it go? Um, it went pretty well. Um, I, I had mixed feelings in the end. Um, it does what it says it's going to do, but there are a lot of pitfalls for it. Um, so I started off with... Uh, there, there's three different types of packs. There's a food logging pack where you sync the app with MyFitnessPal, which, side note, is a, is a great app. I've been using that for, for years. It's a, a way of keeping track of what you eat and informing yourself of what you eat so um, you can make better decisions eating. Um, and the food logging pack, you commit to logging the amount of f- that, what the food that you've eaten one to seven times a week. Um, each pack is a week long. goes from Monday through Sunday. And... Uh, you have to put in at least three meals uh, and 1,200 calories um, per day in MyFitnessPal oh. to, to make the pact uh, work. Um, that one worked pretty well. Um, I had no problems with it. One thing to note is that all it does is it tries it checks to see if you've fulfilled those requirements. One day that I'm not particularly proud of, I ate an entire barbecue chicken pizza with multiple cans of soda <laughs> and topped it off with chocolate pie. <laughs> Holy cow. Easily 3,000 plus calories. <gasps> wow. It, it, by no means a healthy diet. And yet, Pact was perfectly happy saying, yep, you fulfilled your, uh, your, <laughs> oh, your requirement there. So, <laughs> all it really does is make sure that you're using the app to know that you ate poorly and not that you're actually eating well. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, the second type of Pact is a veggie Pact where you're committing to eating um, a serving, well, a certain number of servings of fruits or vegetables. Um, this one sounded like there would be the most prone to problems, just the way that it works, because you're submitting a picture of what you're eating to the community, and they vote whether it qualifies or not. Oh. And I actually found that to be the easiest. It was super simple to take a picture of what I was eating. You, typically within 15, 20 minutes, the community had voted in approval of what I'd eaten, never had any rejections, never had any problems with that. Huh. Um, so that one worked perfectly well. Um, the third type of pact is a gym pact, and this one gets a little complicated because there are four different ways that you can fulfill the gym pact. Um, one, you can sync it with an app. There's two apps they sync with. It's Map My Fitness and RunKeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those, you have to run at least a mile and for at least 30 minutes. Is Every the requirements day? For, that. Uh, for however many uh, you commit to over the course of the week. So it could okay. be one minimum of one, maximum of, I believe, seven. I think you can only have one gym pack to uh, one a day. Um, the second is a verified gym check-in. Uh, Pact has a list of verified gyms, and it uses your GPS to figure out if you're at the gym oh. and to make sure that you stay at the gym for a half hour. 
Um, I've read online, I, I don't belong to a gym, so I didn't test this one out, but I'd read online that um, some people have problems with their GPS inside the gym. Mm. So they would have problems with it, keeping track of that. Uh, the third type is uh, step tracking devices. It can uh, sync with uh, Fitbit, Jawbone, some others. It didn't sync with any of my uh, step tracking devices. I think you have to do 10,000 steps to... Um, to qualify for those. And lastly, it uses your phone's accelerometer. Oh. So it, you can, if you have an armband, you can put it on your arm. And when you're doing a workout, you have to have, you have to log 30 minutes of vigorous activity during an hour and a half span. So I did a half hour workout. It, I think about 23 of those minutes or something qualified. So I had to tack on an extra five or 10 minutes afterwards, but mm. that worked um, pretty well, all things considered. All right. So bottom line, what'd you think of the app? Um, it, it works pretty well. It, it does what it says it's going to do. Um, I'm not going to continue using it, though, and, and uh. there's, there's three reasons why. Um, one of them is that the... <laughs> Can you uh, tell that he's our business intelligent numbers guy? <laughs> well, there are three things. There are four components, and there are three... You are very well organized. Tell me about the three reasons why you will not be using it. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. No, this is good. Um, so one is the, the risk versus reward. Um, I used the app for over a month, and the amount of money that I earned is about $4. Oh. Um, the minimum penalty that you can sign up for in terms of, of uh, if you don't meet your pact is $5 per thing that you miss. Oh, so wow. if you signed up to eat six veggies in a week and you didn't eat any, that's negative $30 right there. So you can have a whole month where you did everything perfectly for 29 days. That last day you make a mistake or something, you just wiped out all of the all of the money that you made. So Ugh. it's the, the carrot and the stick, uh, they kind of have to, to balance that out a little bit. It's kind of a baby carrot and a Louisville slugger. Yeah, no um, kidding. So, <laughs> um, so that, that's a problem. And I ran into a couple of bugs, which made it more likely that something like that would happen. Um, I, when I tried, uh, I tried downloading the Map My Fitness app and syncing it up as part of the Gym Pact. Um, it didn't work. It just get, threw out some sort of generic error. I contacted their technical support. They actually responded surprisingly quickly. But in the end, never got it to work out that way. I had one instance where my um, my Fitness Pal uh, food logging did not sync with the app for whatever reason, so I missed out on that. Mm. I made sure to be super conservative. Um, I always I never had seven days of food logging just in case something like that happened, so I didn't get dinged for that. But if I had seven days, I would have lost all my earnings and then some mm. because of that one bug. And lastly, and this is the biggest one, is that you cannot delete a pact once you've created it. So I created a gym pact and. I decided it wasn't for me. I, I, the accelerometer was the only one that really worked. I didn't want to do it anymore. I can't delete it. All I can do is pause it. You can pause it for up to three months, I believe. And after that, I guess you have to pause it again. There's no way to delete it. Um, if you forget to un to pause it again after three months, you're going to get dinged for not having fulfilled that pact. Wow. And um, It's like the Hotel California <laughs> of health apps. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, no, you can't leave. And another thing is if you delete the app, you're your account still lives on on the, on the um, internet. So people might think, oh, this is terrible, delete the app. If you don't delete your account, you're still going to get dinged because you have your account synced with, pay with PayPal or a credit card. So oh. people might uninstall the app and then like a week later get dinged for all those packs that they still have that they can't delete. Um, and if you read the reviews online, there's a lot of people who I think got hurt by that, yeah. thinking that if they uninstall the app, they're out. Um, and that's that's kind of a huge deal. It's kind of like if you had to fake your death in order to cancel a gym membership. Right. Seems kind of, <laughs> and, and I, I see no reason why you, you why they have to do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Thank. That was a very that was a very thorough review. Thank you, Paul. No problem. <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? We have lose it and 
Swerk it? Swerk it. All right. Swerk I'll go. It. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sam, tell me about Swerk it. What does it what does it do? All right. So Swerk it, there's two versions of Swerk it. There's a paid app of Swerk it and there is the free app, which I am a huge proponent of free apps, especially ones um, that are easily accessible and that can offer a wide variety, which is what Swerk it does. So I'm gonna spell Swerk it first. Yes. S W O R K I T. Okay. Swerk it. Um, and so it has four different components, basically four different buckets of um, exercise that you can choose to participate in. It is strength, cardio, yoga, and stretching. Um, my personal favorite is the cardio and the stretching, um, mainly because I don't do enough of those two things. I don't either. Right? Yeah. 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 I, don't, I never stretch. To me, they're the least fun. Yeah. Um, and so you can, once you select one of those four different types of exercises, um, you can pick the duration. So if you have five minutes, if you have 10 minutes. Um, Swerk It can give you a workout in five minutes or 10 minutes. Um, it also goes up to 60 minutes. So if you have a longer amount of time um, to donate um, to this workout, um, specifically stretching, we all need a little more stretching in our lives, um, then you can do that on this app. I know bros used Swerk It a few I've times. I've used the cardio a couple times and found it very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's really personally, it's really great for travel. Um, oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> presenting at a benefit and a compensation um, summit here in a week or so in Orlando. And um, I don't know what the gym will be like in the hotel, if there will be a gym, what the weather will be like outside, um, how humid it is in Orlando right now, I really don't know. Um, and so I've got Swerk It on my phone, I'm ready to go. Um, and so it's just an easy fail-proof way, lowercase foolproof, if you <laughs> might add, um, to make sure that you're not skipping a workout just because you don't have equipment or you don't have time. Swerk It definitely makes sure that those things are covered for you. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So glowing review, Swerk It, the Swerk free it. version. The free version. Don't need to pay for that. Save your pennies. All right. We love that. Bro, and your app that you want to talk about is Lose It. Lose It. So the few times that I have gone on a diet and tried to lose weight, I have used Lose It. So you enter in your goal, and we'll say, tell you, okay, so you want to lose this amount of weight over this time period, you should have this many calories each day. And then as you eat throughout the day, you enter the food. And the great thing about it is it has generic stuff like apple and eggs, but also name brand stuff like grilled cheese sandwich at Panera or cheeseburger at McDonald's. It has all the information there, so you clock it in, you keep track of things. It also will track your, you enter in your exercise. So if you say, I ran for a half hour, I say, well, that was worth, I'll make this up, 300 mm -hmm. calories. That takes off your daily daily total. And the thing I found most useful about that is it helped me make decisions in terms of trading off what to eat and the amount of exercise I would require to earn that. So if I just ran for a half hour, is it worth for me to have that cheeseburger at McDonald's, which is also 300 calories? I think, did I run for a half hour so I could eat this cheeseburger? Not really. I no, so hope it, not. no, so it helped me make <laughs> decisions that way. So it's a great app. All right, so that's three apps packed. Paul's like bottom line. It, it's okay. okay. I mean, just <laughs> going with both eyes wide open because there there are definitely some definitely some pitfalls to be aware of. All right, and swerk it, swerk it, go for it. It's free. Come on, come on, and finally lose it, which is also free. And big thumbs up. All right, so th two apps and maybe a third to try. Me. Or not. Paul, thank you for joining us for There's an App for That. Thank you. You've been great and thorough, like right. I want my numbers guy to be. Well, I, I tried my best. <laughs> Your best was excellent. Thank you. 
right. Well, that's the show. I want to thank Sam and Paul for joining us. And uh, also, if you want to get an even more thorough review of Pact, which is what you would expect from a, a BI, business intelligence guy, uh, Paul actually wrote a much longer review on his website, his blog, rampantdiscourse.com. So you can head there to check it out. The show is edited robustly by Rick Engdahl. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Thank you.